Okay. So we'll pick up. We've already done the Aleph Bet. And we'll continue. So Hashem, it literally means the name. The name. Yes, thank you, brother. The name. And so really this derives from the, the Jews' strict adherence to the third commandment. To not take the name of the Lord in vain. Thou shalt not, it says in Exodus 20 and 7 and then Deuteronomy 5 and 11, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And so they, they really believe that you should not take his name in vain. Um, what that word means, that vain, is the Hebrew word shav, which comes from the root word, which means desolate. So they believe that if they use the name of the Lord so much, it just becomes a common name. It almost becomes um, meaningless or vain, empty, right? Like, well, you hear people use the Lord's name in profanity, right? I mean, it literally, they, they think that by using his name, the actual name that he gave to Moses, they think that if they use that in everyday conversation, it literally is like just make, dragging it through the mud, making it common, making it plain, um, so in essence, this commandment means don't make the name of the Lord empty or meaningless. Don't make it so common like our names are. Does that make sense? Okay. So don't use his name in everyday language to make it just worthless. So there's such reverence for the name of the Lord that my, my instructor, when we talked about um, the name that the Lord gave to Moses, he would not even say Yah and Way together. That's, I mean, that's the name that God gave Moses at the bush. But my Hebrew teacher will not say Yah and Way together. He says Yah and Way. Or he'll say Hashem. The name. He does to separate it so you're not putting that name together. Yes, ma'am. That's okay. I'm hoping I'm full of answers. So Hebrew don't brush God's vows, right? No, they do. They don't have separate characters. We're trying to write it out. Uh-huh. No, here's what I'll tell you. And this is my, my next semester class introduces dots that make these letters vowels. So instead of using God, they go Hashem? Hashem. They do Hashem, or they will say Adonai, which is the proper, the Lord. Sure. A-D-O-N-A-I is Adonai. That is in our Bible. Well, I'll, I'll talk to you about that. I'll tell you it's in the Bible. It's really cool, Sister Cooper. So, yeah, so here's, here's your W, right? Your, your sin or your shin. And if these thumbs are your middle point, if the dot goes between this one and that one, which is, I guess, your right, right? Your left. Yeah, yeah. That dot makes all the difference in the world in how you say it, pronounce it, etc. Okay. So, so in an effort to adhere to that commandment, the Jews will not utter the name of the Lord as given to Moses. But they will say Hashem. They will say Adonai. They will say, um, oh my goodness, what is it? I can't remember what it is right now. I'm sorry, I'm drawing a blank. But they will say basically the English equivalent of the, the Holy One, blessed be He. Is what they'll call him, the Holy One. You know, we know who thou art, the Holy One. 
of God, you know. That's what the devil said when they saw Jesus. So Hashem is very common. Sorry? No, I'll talk about that. I'll talk about that. They don't often use that name. They don't often use Elohim. You said the Holy One, blessed be The Holy One, blessed be He. Blessed be He. H-E-E. Blessed be He. Blessed be He. The Holy One, blessed be He. So, so, in, so really, when we see, and I may not get to all of my notes tonight, and if we don't, I'll just, I'll just hang on to them for next week, and we'll just, we'll keep going. Um, so when you read in your Bible, and it says Lord in all capital letters, typically that's what was there, was the proper name that God gave Moses. So they have, English translators have put Lord, where in my Hebrew Bible that I have, it just says Hashem, or it says Adonai. Of course, in the Hebrew, when you read the Hebrew part, it looks like the Tetragrammaton, which is what we'll talk about next, which is the letters that you'll know. Uh, in Hebrew, it's Y-H-W-H, or yod Heh vav Heh. So in a lot of times, so because there is no V sound, really, it sounds like it, but there's no proper V in Hebrew. That's where English translators got Jehovah from they mixed Adonai with Yahweh, merged them and caught Jehovah. So it's really an unbiblical term. Interesting, isn't it? That Jehovah really isn't the name of the Lord. It's a man creation. Do you believe it that they they mistranslated some things like they said in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost? No, no. That the people uh, translated it wrong? Absolutely not. But that's Greek. That's New Testament. That's Greek. <laughs> so yeah, let me let me let me actually like backtrack a little bit. So the entirety of Hebrews versus I think Daniel, except for Daniel chapter seven, was written in Hebrew. Daniel chapter seven was written in basically like a Persian dialect because Daniel was in prison in Babylon. Um, then the New Testament is written in Greek. Okay, so. Y-H-W-H, or yod He vav He, which means really, he is. So when Moses, and Moses is having that conversation with God at the burning bush, and Moses says, well, who do I say sent me? You know, we read, I am, I am that I am, tell them the I am sent you. But in Hebrew, it really means he is. And so what's interesting is a Hebrew person will not ever say, I am hungry. Or I am thirsty. They will just say I hunger, I thirst, because it's that. I mean, phew, I feel the Holy Ghost. Like that is like powerful. That they will not ever say the personal, like the I in the form of the verb to be together, because it literally is like His name, and He's the I am, and I am not. So the tetragrammaton is a term that not only. Christian scholars, but also Jewish scholars have come up with what they call the four letters, Y-H-W-H. It's called the Tetragrammaton. And if you want me to spell that, T-E-T-R-A-G-R-A-M-M-A-T-O-N. Tetragrammaton. Yep. T E T. R A G R A M M A T O N. Tetragrammaton. Well, that's a spelling bee winner. 
<laughs> Can you use that in a sentence, please? <laughs> it is the it is the technical term that scholars use to speak of the YHWH and what it means, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. So. You know, it's kind of neat because when, when God appeared to Moses at the burning bush, he says, unto your fathers I was not known by this name, but unto them I was known by God Almighty. But in Hebrew, it's El Shaddai. El Shaddai. And actually, the Hebrews don't even say El. A lot of them will say Kel Shaddai because they don't want to say God. They don't want to take that in vain. Yes, sir. I, got, I have a question. Yes, sir. No, no, no. We're still, we're, we're, I went back to the top. You missed it. Went back to the first page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I went back to the top. I went back to the first. I went back to the very top page. So, so he tells Moses that unto your fathers, I did, I was not known by this name, but El Shaddai was I known God almighty. And so this is just kind of neat. Um, so again, when you read your Bible and you see all capital letters, L-O-R-D, which is Lord, anybody have your Bible? So anytime, like when God would introduce another name, like Yireh, we say Jireh, there's no J sound in Hebrew, so we got that wrong. It's Yireh, um, and maybe we won't or we will talk about that later. I'll just do it now. So th- this, this to me blows my mind. Um, we read it um, in our Bible to where it basically we call him our provider, right? Jehovah Jireh, our provider. We already talked about Jehovah. That's not biblical. Um, and Jireh is not a real word because it's not. But it's Yireh. When he told him Yireh, that means I will see to it. Like I have told you and I will see to it that it happens. So, I mean, to me, that that's even much more deeper than just him being my provider, that he's going to see to it. That I have everything that he's told me I'm going to have. He's my Yireh. Is it spelled the same way? Y-I-R-E-H. Yireh. He will see to it. Could you spell it one more time? Y-I-R-E-H. So is Jehovah it's not in the Bible at all? It, it's in there because man created that translation. Oh, okay. So really, it would be Yah and the way, or Adonai, Hashem, um, so on and so forth. But, so when, you know, you read through the Old Testament and God just reveals more and more of his character, you know, he's Nisi, he's Shalom, he's Sidkenu, all of those words, they have a form of Yah or way in them, okay? And so that's why when you read those, it's all capitals. So if you can go to Luke chapter 1. Anybody have your Bible? You want to go to Luke chapter 1? This is cool. Getting there. So we're going to take it to verse 31. You may have noticed this before, but now you're going to know why. Jesus is in all caps. So you have the one Lord being pronounced by the angel that she's going to bring forth the son and going to call his name J-E-S-U-S in all caps because his name is Yeshua, which means Adonai has become my salvation. Whew. 
So my, my Yere, my Nisi, my Sid Kenu is now my Savior. Just thought that was kind of neat. So it's the proper name of God in the New Testament being born. How many gods is there? There's not but one. And he just uttered his name. All right. Let's speak in tongues. <laughs> so again, you read from right to left. You read from right to left. So that first word is Bereshit. B-E-R. Oh, you got it there, right? I put it in the middle column what it is. So Bereshis. It depends on where you're from. It's like someone from the South or a Yankee. Your, your language changes just a little bit, right? So um, Ashkenazi Jews will typically use the S rather than a T when they say the Tav. They'll say S rather than the T. So, But you can say either way is Bereshis or Bereshit. And it literally means in the beginning. But it's also what the Jews call the first book of the Bible because it begins in the beginning. So it's the name, the proper name in Hebrew for Genesis, for the book of Genesis. The book of beginnings, Bereshis. So this next word, Rosh. Rosh. Have you ever heard of the Jewish holiday Rosh Hashanah? It means head of the year. It's the beginning of the year. So that word means head. Rosh means head. It means what? Head. Cabeza. Cabeza. Cabeza? Tengo el de cabeza. All right. The next word. This is too much. The next word. Barah. Barah. And this verb is only ever associated with Hashem. It means create. The word means create because no one ever created anything out of nothing except for Him. So say that again? The, that verb, bara, create, is only ever used in reference to God. Because we yes. can make stuff, but we use stuff He's already created to do it. But he's the only one because that word, he's God alone. That's what that means is he's the only one. This word create means to make something out of nothing. <laughs> he made stuff out of nothing. And that verb is only used for him. The next one, here we go. Elohim. Now this is a really cool thing because, you know, a lot of... Trinitarians will say, oh, because that's plural. Anytime a word in Hebrew ends with I am, it makes it plural. Okay, so they'll read Elohim and think, well, there's, there's where there's multiplicity of gods. And well, it's not true. It doesn't work so well in English. But for example, Brother Soriano, in Spanish, your verb changes a lot, correct? Like, tu vas, yo voy, el va, nos vamos, right? You, you conjugate those verbs based on who's doing something. In, in Spanish and a lot of other languages. In Hebrew, it's backwards. The noun changes based on the verb. I know. So because he's doing all of this creating, it becomes plural. I know. I know. 
So it becomes Elohim versus just El because of all the creating that's going on. Because it, the subject is subject to the verb in Hebrew, not the other way around. So it's a plural world. That's what because of all the creation that he did. Meaning, meaning everything. Sorry? No, because in, in Hebrew, the word bara means create. Elohim means God. 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 Elohim means God. Yes. G O D. Just G O D. G O D. But modern Trinitarian scholars will say it's a plural God. So there, there's, you know, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost right there in the beginning doing this creating. Well, the Lord said, I searched the heavens and I saw no one. Beside me, there is no Savior. Exactly. Right? So, I mean, it's. So really, it's really a miss. It's a grammar mistake that they don't pick up on because the create, change the Elohim changes based on the verb of create. So, I've heard a lot of different explanations, but when I mean grammar just makes sense to me. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Elohim. Okay, this next word we're going to explain later, but that next word, those two little letters, et. Et. I'm not going to explain it right now. We'll get there later. That's like going to be the most of my discussion. Et. You et, you et lunch. You et lunch. I et today. <laughs> There's one in every class, right? I will. They're super deep. Super, super deep. Super deep. Okay. This next word, shamayim. Shamayim. Shamayim means heavens. It's a plural. Good pick up. You see the yod in that mem sofit? So it's shin, mem, yod, mem sofit is how you spell it. Do you see how that letter changes? Shamayim means heavens. Heavens. So if you haven't picked up on it yet, we're going through Genesis 1 and 1. You're going to learn a verse in Hebrew tonight. You're going to learn a verse in Hebrew. Shamayim means heavens. Okay, this next word is va'et. It means and. And. Do you think you know it? Can you figure out what edits? Edits? The earth. Edits. Eretz means earth. Or Eretz also means land. Like, for example, you say Eretz Mitzrayim means the land of Egypt. Eretz Israel means the land of Israel. So it's earth or land, but earth in this sense. Okay, now I got to, like when I copied and pasted this from my little Hebrew translator thing, I didn't notice this until today. So there, there in that box is Genesis 1 and 1. The words go the right direction. But they're like out of order. Yeah. Okay, so it's like it goes so that you read them right to left, but they go left to right. Okay, so let, let's, let's <laughs> it really won't matter. If you just look at the pictures before that one, you'll, you'll get it. Okay, so let's read it. I'm going to read it to you. Okay, so it says, Bereshis, Barah, Elohim, Et, Hashamayim, Vayet. Ha-eretz. So ha in front of a word means the. You add a ha. The hey, the letter hey in front of a word means the. Ha-eretz. So it would be the earth. 
Hashamayim means the heavens. So that is literally in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Bereshis, Aleph, Aleph, because in Hebrew their letters are their numbers. Aleph, sorry. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay, so here's, here's we're going to pick up a few more words. This next one is Ruach. Ruach. There's no, there's no chicken. There's no ch in Hebrew, right? Ha. Got to get that clearing the phlegm out of the back of your throat. Ha. Ruach. So this word literally most times means spirit, but it also can mean breath, life, or wind. So if you think about it, like if you fell out of a tree one day when you were a kid, you got the wind knocked out of you or the breath knocked out of you. It's the same meaning, right? Or it almost like got your spirit knocked out. You know, so ruach. Okay, and then this next word is panim, which means face or faces. Face or faces. Panim, yeah, but it's one of those, it's a funny word. Okay. It's a funny word. Okay, here's, here's the word I really was talking about earlier where you have the mem in its regular form and then a mem sofit. So the mem, the, 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 real, the regular m and then a final m in mayim. Mayim. So it's mem, yod, mem sofit. And that means waters. Waters. Here's a fun one. Ooh. Not er, like we say, like, and I, and I had to ask because, you know, you read in the Bible the er of Chaldees, it's not, it's not Hebrew. So this, this er, this er, and the er of Chaldees means something totally different. So this er means light. Did I skip? Oh, sorry. I skipped Omer. Sorry, Omer. I missed it. Sorry. Thank you. Omer. It means said. Said. S-A-I-D. Said. Omer. Omer. Then Ur is light. Where are you? I'll back up. I'll take my time. Where are you at? The last word, Ur. Omer. Omer is said. Said like God said. Yep. God said. Exactly. That's where we're going. So Ur is light. And then I'm going to test you. Choshek. Choshek. Is that right? No. Choshek. Choshek. That means darkness. 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 So you got light and darkness. Choshek. Choshek. And then now. We're going to talk about Yovdel. Yovdel. Choshek is darkness. And then Yovdel is separated. Yovdel. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Yod, Vav, Dalit, Lamech. 
Now they found them. <laughs> okay. All right. We, we've all talked in tongues. We're feeling good, right? <laughs> I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> all right. So let's talk about this et. You ready? Anybody need any blanks filled in? Y'all good? Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, I, I got yes, sir. Okay, the one that was before Ruach. Ruach? Yeah, the one before that. Is that that's the scripture. Genesis one and one. Oh okay. yeah, that's Genesis one and one. Bereshis bara Elohim et Hashamaim vaet Hiretz. Yes, ma'am. Absolutely, you may. You're, you're good. You're good. I'm sure your dad will let you copy. I bet your dad will let you copy. Okay. Ed. Ed. This is where we're going to talk a little bit. I don't know how long we have until tonight. I guess I'll just go until I hear Brother Tech stop. So this word is very, very interesting. It only appears in Hebrew. And you will not find this word translated into any other modern language anywhere in any Bible. It's a Hebrew only word, et. It's fascinating. That's what it means, fascinating? It's fascinating. <laughs> Your mind is going to get ready to be blown. I promise. First time I heard this, I was like, I think I had to pick my jaw up off the floor. It's so it's the letters together are Aleph and Tav. From the Hebrew alphabet, Aleph and Tav means Et. So for all intents and purposes, uh, this word is untranslatable. It doesn't, equivalent, doesn't equate to anything in English, Japanese, Russian, whatever. You name it, it's not there. It's only in the Hebrew Bible. So some things interesting to note is that in Hebrew, you will notice there are seven words in Genesis 1 and 1, which is the number of completion. There's seven words in Genesis 1, 1 in Hebrew. This is the middle word. So you've got three words, Bereshis, Bara, Elohim. Then you have Et, and then Hashamayim, Vaet, Haaretz. So it's right smack dab in the middle of Genesis 1 and 1. So there are seven words, and this is in the middle. And so et is serving kind of as a connection between creator and creation. Okay? This, oh, little, this little word, it's like a hyphen. It is, it's really strange. Et makes this connection, okay, between creator, creation. Um, so could it be, I'm going to just tease a little bit, could this one verse, this word, be the first messianic prophecy in the Bible. Hmm. Just a thought. We will often say that Genesis 3 and 15 is, right, when God pronounces the curse upon Adam and Eve for their transgression and then upon Satan, right, you're going to bruise his heel, but his heel will bruise your head. Right? We, we often think that that's the first messianic prophecy. But I think after tonight, your opinion will change. So in the Hebrew, Aleph Bet, these represent the first letter of their alphabet and the last letter of the alphabet. So it's Aleph and it's Tav, right? It's like our A and Z, okay? 
So they serve as the bookends of the Hebrew alphabet. Okay? So meaning that all of the letters that are in the alphabet are between Aleph and Tav. Every single letter is there. And so what do you make words out of? Letters. So that means that in between these are all the words that you can make. Between Aleph and Tav. So this Et represents the word. So you have the word connecting creation and creator. So John 1, 1, he makes direct reference. We think he's just referencing the word. Jesus is the word made flesh, right? But John is actually referencing the et. That he says, in the beginning is the word. Is the et. This et, the alpha and omega, the first and the last, right? In Greek, it's alpha, omega, but in Hebrew, it's aleph, tav, the first and the last, is in the beginning, and he's the creator doing the creating, and he comes into his own creation, right? He came unto his own, and his own received him not. He is this one that is bridging, right? Doing this bridging. So, you know, they both, Genesis 1 1 and John 1 and 1, begin very similar in the beginning, right? So, but John doesn't continue what with Moses penned. He continues with, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. The word was with God and the word was made flesh and we beheld his glory, the glory of the, as of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. Right. (laughs) Nothing will, will it? So. So in the beginning, John is saying was the Aleph and the Tav. In the beginning was the first and the last. And he was the creator doing the creating and he came down into his creation. Right. That all things were made by him. By who? John says by the Aleph and the Tav. The Aleph and the Tav did the creating. And he came down to you, but you rejected him. So I want to show you something else that's interesting, right, about that Aleph and the Tav, the Alpha, the Omega. Because look, in, uh, if you have your Bible, look at Revelation 1 and 8. Jolanda, you have it? You want to read it? You mind? Yeah. Go ahead. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. And who said that? Jesus. Jesus did. I'm the Aleph and Tav. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the first, the last. I'm the beginning. I'm the end. Verse 1. I was there when everything was made. So let's take a look at another thing here. Uh, Isaiah 53, 1 through 7. So this, this is probably a familiar portion of Scripture. So I'm, I'll read it. It says, Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant 
and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and we, when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. And it says, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. And then verse 6, And all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Okay, so here's something very interesting. I'm going to read verse 7 in just a moment. Uh, when you look at that chart of the letters in the back of your packet, you'll notice that underneath Aleph, well, underneath all of the letters, it tells you how to pronounce that letter. Underneath Aleph, what does it say? It doesn't make a noise. It doesn't make a sound until you attach it to other letters. So what does the next verse in Isaiah say? That he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He didn't make a noise. Just like that. He's the elephant Tav who doesn't make a noise. He keeps his mouth shut through all of that chastisement, through all of that punishment, through all of that ridicule. He does not open his mouth. As a lamb who is led to the shears is dumb, so open he, not his mouth. Because the olive doesn't make a noise. Listen to what it says in John 19 and 9. When Jesus is before Pilate, it says Jesus gave him no answer. He didn't speak. Mark 15 and 3 and then 15 and 5 says Jesus answered nothing. Didn't make a peep. He's the silent one. Just stood there and took it because he's showing them, I'm, I'm the Aleph and Tav. I'm the Et in the beginning. Something else that's really interesting. Um, so the, the Aleph Bet that you have there is a more modern writing of the Hebrew alphabet. Like you, You've all seen caveman drawings, right? Kind of, Or at least you can imagine what they look like. Well, there is this version of Hebrew called Proto-Hebrew, which was very much like more, more pictures than what you even see right there. Okay? And um, so the way that Aleph and Tav were then written previously uh, is very interesting because the Aleph was drawn like a bullock, like a sacrifice. And the Tav was written like a cross. So not only is he the word, he's silent, he didn't open his mouth, and he's the sheep put on the cross for the sacrifice. Genesis 1-1. Genesis 1 and 1. Jesus is right there in the picture of the cross. There's Calvary. So they, they paint this picture that, I mean, it's just... You know, and then you read Revelation 13 and 8 says, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Slain, Lamb slain. 
the word in the beginning that was made flesh. And so in Genesis 1 and 2, we see this interaction that occurs between God and creation. And so and it says that the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And so as we learned earlier, that word panim, the Hebrew word panim means face in English. So in biblical Hebrew, panim means more than just face. In biblical Hebrew, it means to seek his face. So it means turn from transgression and seek his face. So it's a picture, panim is then a picture of repentance. So we see this word, panim, that essentially means repent. And you've got a couple of other things that show up. You've got spirit and you've got water. In Genesis 1-2, you've got new birth. Repent, spirit baptism, water baptism. Tell me God did not have a plan from the very, very beginning. So could it be said then that in Genesis 1 and 2, we find reference to the biblical plan of salvation is found in John 3, 3, John 3, 5, and Acts 2, 38. When the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So remember that tetragrammaton we talked about. All right. So somebody read a few verses for me. John 19, 19 to 22. John 19, 19 to 22. You there? Anybody got it? Okay, go ahead. You don't want to read it? Go ahead. Thank you. And Pilate wrote a and put it on the cross, and the writing was Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. This title then read many of the Jews for the place where Jesus was crucified was not the city, and it was written in Hebrew and Greek. Keep going. Two more verses, please. Yeah. Then said the chief priest of the Jews to Pilate, Write not the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. Okay, so this is at Passover. So all of the Jews from the surrounding areas have now descended upon Jerusalem for this feast. Okay, so there it's crowded, way more crowded than normal. And you'll notice that... He writes, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. It's written in three different languages. It's written in the three dominant languages of the time. So it's written in Hebrew, it's written in Greek, and it's written in Latin, all above the cross where Jesus is crucified. The only ones that had a problem with it were the Jews. And it's because of what it said, but not only what it said, but what they saw. 
See, because um, their eyes are trained to look at the first letter of a word uh, for sake of memorization, right? So they memorize Torah because of they look at like Psalm 119, for example, it's written with, based on the Hebrew alphabet. Every segment of five or six verses begins with a new letter in Hebrew. So it always just starts Aleph, Bet, Gimel, Dalit, so on and so forth, all the way to Tav. Um, it doesn't, of course, do that in English, but when you read it in Hebrew, every verse of that segment begins with that letter. Okay, so they're trained to look at it because it helps with memorization. And so when they look at the superscription that's above the cross, they see four dominant letters. They see YHWH. When they look at, when they see Yeshua, Hatnazorai, Valimit, Hayahudim, they see YHWH. So that's why there was such an uproar saying, don't write that there. He said that. We didn't say that. That's what he professed to be, but he's not. But Pilate said, what I've written, I've written, and I'm not going to change it because he said, you're going to look upon him whom you have pierced. Right? And when you see him, when I'm lifted up, you're going to know. Because how could they not know when they lift up Jesus on the cross and they see the proper name that he gave to Moses at the burning bush above this man on the cross? They see Yahweh on the cross. Oh, definitely. That's why they were pricked in their heart. Which means God, right? I mean, just slowly. I mean, just put yourself there. You know, this man that you said, no, let Barabbas go. Free Barabbas. Free that criminal. Free that murderer. Put this man on the cross and make him, take him and nail him there. Right? And they knew Isaiah's prophecies. I guess it's the reason why, you know, they, I guess they took it so seriously and wanted to crucify him because they figured he was mocking or, you know. Or yeah, so here's... You know, basically, they thought that he was guilty of um, abomination because he was basically, as a man, equating himself to God. Because when he would say, like when you read the book of John, John does a fascinating job of pulling out these phrases where Jesus will say, I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. I am the bread of life, right? And so they took up stones one time. They said when, when, when Jesus was talking to these Pharisees and, um, and he was talking about Father Abraham, right? And they say, you're not even 50 years old. How, how do you even know Father Abraham? He goes, well, before, before Abraham was, I am. And they took up stones to stone him because they thought that he was blaspheming the name of the Lord. So severe, they, they don't say that together. They don't. And so when he's taking the name, the name, the name, and he's using it like it's his own because it is his own. It is his name. Now I see why they were so mad. They were furious. That was the big deal. Yeah. Now I see because it was so severe. So here's this man making himself like God, you know, blaspheme. Blaspheme, you were guilty of, you were worthy of death. You were to be put to death. Yeah. And so here's this man they thought was blaspheming, but really he's just telling you who I am. <laughs> so, I mean, it's fascinating. It's incredible. There is just, I mean, when, when you study, there is like, it, it can be undeniable. 
you know, if people would just take the time, slow down. But, you know, the thing is, like, I, I worked with a man who was very, he was very Jewish. And um, so he, it's funny because you'll read in the Gospels, and for example, they'll, they'll say, hey, why don't you, because they're going to think he resurrected, why don't you tell them that they came and stole his body? He believes that to this day, that they stole his body from the tomb. The Jews still believe that Jesus' body was stolen from the tomb and he didn't resurrect. It's written in the Bible, but they still believe it today because, I mean, the word is real. It's true. And so, I mean, it's, wow, you know. They don't believe in the testament at all, do they? No. No, matter of fact, um, this is an interesting thing, just a little side note. Um, my, my teacher, he doesn't call it the Old Testament. He calls it the First Testament. It's the first testament and the New Testament. He, he is he is um, he's a oneness apostolic preacher, but grew up Jew, and so he's a breadth of knowledge. I mean, just this guy he speaks he speaks Greek. Yes, ma'am. I'm overwhelmed with Pilate's wife. She had a dream. The Lord sent her a dream, and she warned her husband. She said, "Don't mess with him." I had a dream of that. I'm troubled by him. Don't put that innocent man to death. That's right. So he was warned. And he was I thought warned. that was too powerful. He sent a dream to her before he was in the hospital. Oh, that's fascinating. He, so he washed his hands. I'm not guilty of this man. It's this on y'all. Y'all did it. Y'all crucified him. So anybody have any questions? I think I'm good for tonight. Anybody need any blanks filled in? Any details filled in? Maybe not a literal blank, but maybe like a... A mind blank. Yes, sir. Rosh, yeah. Head. Okay, so thank you. Thank you. He asked a great question. He asked a great question. Let me back up. Sorry. Did you ask that question? Okay, so, okay, this is really kind of neat. I'm glad you asked because I forgot to talk about that. So you'll see the word bereshis, which means in the beginning. So rosh is in that word, and that's why I broke it out. So it means the head. So Bereshis means kind of like at the head of creation, at the beginning of creation. It's fascinating, isn't it? It is. Bereshis. So for, for next week, for next week, have Genesis 1-1 memorized. <laughs> That's a good start. We'll do it in English first. <laughs> Genesis 1-1, what I just told him. So.
so it does go the right direction. It is the right direction. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Thank you, Brother Adam. Oh, I guess I should turn this off. Yeah. 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 Yeah